1: jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free we often think of identity theft as somebody stealing your credit card details or rummaging through your garbage bin overnight trying to get your personal details just recently in our church while the service was going on some somebody was down in our car park stealing registration plates from some of our people uh, I thought it was just kids you know, playing a prank, but somebody said to me, no, this is a real racket. What they do is they put these plates on their own car, go and fill up petrol at the servo, and then drive off, and of course the cameras have caught a registration number, yes, but not the registration that belongs to that car. It's a stolen identity. Of course, the greatest identity thief of all is Satan. Maybe one of the things he's stolen from you is your identity. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: And thank you for joining us. It's Phil Edwards here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. Over the past couple of days, we've been looking at some of the ways Satan will attempt to rob us of our real identity by sending us to all sorts of wrong places to find out who we are. Places like achievements, the approval of others, our appearance or even our behavior. Yet, Ken, it's amazing that the Bible actually clearly teaches us the truth about
1: our identity. Absolutely. In fact, the Christian's identity is a major theme in the New Testament. Uh, The Bible says that, of course, we started our journey in Adam, uh, but when we put our faith in Christ, we were baptized into Jesus. And that means that we died to who we were in Adam. We died with Christ. That's what the Bible says. We died to who we were. That person doesn't exist anymore. And you gave that great example yesterday about where the word baptism comes
0: from. It comes from the industry where you dye material. Yeah, You put that material, be it a shirt or something, into dye, and it takes on the characteristics of the dye and comes out
1: whatever color it is that the dye was. That's right. And baptism is the same thing. It is. Uh, It's a death to who we were. It's a burial to who we were, but it's a rising again to newness of life. And as you've just rightly um, described it, Phil, we now have uh, the nature of Christ himself. We are a new creation. Mm. Now, one of the terms that I like to use in this respect to help people to understand that is what I call the great exchange. See, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that a great exchange took place. And this is how the Bible describes it. It says that God made him, that's Christ, who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that's the great exchange. He became sin for us, and we became righteousness in him. Now, we can ask the question, well, what one of our sins did Jesus commit to become sin? And, of course, the answer is none of them. But he became sin by our sin being credited to him or imputed to him is is a biblical term, which means to be put into his account as if it was his own. And so, therefore, what one of the righteous deeds of Christ did we ever commit to become righteous? And the answer is none. (laughs) None of them either. None of them at all. His righteousness was credited to us, and we are now regarded by God as being righteous in his sight. And that word righteous, I mean, that's a big religious kind of word. But it means right standing with God. Absolutely. And, and, and you know use another biblical term, the Bible says we're justified, which is actually God's official declaration over our lives. It's a forever thing. He's made his verdict concerning us, and we are righteous in his sight because of the great exchange.
0: One of the great things I love that uh, Greg Laurie says about that word justified, he says, the way to remember it, it's as just as if I'd never sinned. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So great. you stand before
1: God, and you're there totally justified, just as if you did nothing wrong. I like that because the Bible says that um, when God looks upon us, He remembers our sin no more. So that's how God does look at us, just as if we'd never sinned. Now there was another big word you used in there too, and that was imputation. What is that? Okay, let, let me illustrate that from using uh, you know a, a situation in the Bible times when when an Israelite brought a a lamb to the priest. The moment he handed the lamb over to the priest, it was no longer an issue of that person's performance. It was all about the lamb. Is the lamb without spot and without blemish? Because God regarded the Israelite on the basis of the lamb that he offered to the priest. Mm. Now, of course, Jesus is our lamb without spot and without blemish. Now, we know in our lives there's many spots and blemishes and uh, many shortcomings and failures, but God doesn't look at those. He looks at the lamb that represents us, and that's a lamb without spot and without blemish. And he became that substitutional
0: sacrifice, if you like.
1: Yes, that's right. He, he, he stands for us. He's our representative or our, as you say, substitute.
0: Well, let's bring it back to here and now. Identity is something that is pretty important to a lot of people. You've only got to look at the amount of, uh, you know, dieting programs that are out there or the cosmetics industry, all sorts of things. Identity
1: is important to us. How important is identity to God? Is it important to him? I think you only need to look at the epistles of the New Testament to see that it is a major theme in those epistles. You know, um, we often get into the practical stuff, what we've got to do as Christians, you know, the to-do list, Mm. you know, because that's work's oriented, basically. But God never starts there. He always starts with who we are. You take some of the great epistles like Romans. It spends eight chapters talking about our identity, the fact that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And then he says, uh, now I beseech you, uh, therefore, to uh, present your body as a living sacrifice, you know, on the basis of who you are. Or, Or in Ephesians, he spends the first three chapters, half the book, telling us that we're now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And then he says, now I beseech you, walk worthy of who you are. In other words, just be who you are. He does the same in Colossians. And, and many of these epistles, uh, a lot of the time is taken up with explaining who we are before we're exhorted to do anything. And that's because our lives will come into alignment of that which is within our heart. Well, it's that, that old saying, you are what you eat, applies in the same way here. What, what you
0: do and the, the sending out and the works that you talked about will be impacted by who you are and your understanding of who you are in yeah. Christ.
1: Yeah, in fact, there's a lovely little story I I like to use to illustrate that point, Phil, and it's the story of a tramp who was uh, just shuffling along the road one day, no sense of hope or future or purpose in his life, depressed, suicidal even, you know. And he sat down in a gutter opposite an artist's studio, and the artist noticed him, and so he began to sketch this man, but instead of drawing facial features of despair and, you know, suicide, he actually drew this man with facial features of a uh, purpose and destiny and uh, somebody that who knew who he was you know he showed him this picture he said see this this is a picture of you now the tramp looked at that for a while maybe 30 seconds he just looked at it transfixed you know then he looked up at the artist and he said me he said is that a picture of me he said i'm going to go out and become that man and, and I think that's what Paul does in these great epistles. He, he draws a picture and he says, this is you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the, the righteousness of God. You are kings and priests. Then he says, now go and walk worthy. Go and be those people. Mm. So this actually does make a difference in
0: the way we live our lives. And I guess the example that springs to mind for me would be if you suddenly understand that you are actually the child of royalty. You didn't know it all your life, and then suddenly
1: you discover this fact. That's right. In fact, let me just share an incident that took place when uh, I was pastoring in New Zealand, and uh, a fellow pastor and I used to meet together regularly for prayer. And one day we were just praying together, and he said, "Lord," he said, "we're just a couple of worms in this office." I thought, "Speak for yourself," (laughs) you know. I've spent all my life learning that I'm not a worm, you know, because uh, that's what I've been told. You know, we—I mean, the thing is, this Phil. Uh, We often say, you know, we're just sinners saved by grace. But the Bible, actually, the New Testament epistles never once refer to a believer as a sinner. Now, if I see myself as a sinner, what am I going to do? Sin. Well, that's what sinners do. Mm. Uh, But the Bible, and of course we do sin, but we're not sinners. We are saints. We are saints who sometimes sin. But saints, even when we do sin, mm. uh, because the Bible never causes sinners. It says that we are the righteousness of God. Mm. If I keep getting that message that I am the righteousness of God, how am I going to live righteously? That's how righteous people live. Is you know they, they they live in holiness, and 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 we are who we see ourselves to be in the sense that there's going to be an outworking of the perception that you and I have of ourselves. Yeah, there is an identity there for us in Christ as righteous people, but it's up to us to accept it, isn't it? Yes, and that's what's going to transform our life.
0: That's all we have time for today. Hope you can join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Our Identity in Christ. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies, and other resources from Ken Lake and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.